Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pater, a Penn State football show. Along with former Penn State and NFL quarterback Matt McGloin, I'm Tom Hannafin. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Pater. We're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA and their Silent Disco IPA, but this month, be sure to also check out their Cranberry Sour Power Ale, the 365 Birthday IPA, and the Oatmeal Cookie Golden Ale. Funk has so many great beers to choose from at their tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York in Pennsylvania. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products must be 21 years or older to purchase please drink responsibly also bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season everything from the nfl playoffs to pro and college basketball ufc mma and more you'll always find the latest odds team matchup info player news and game trends at bet online bet online features live betting free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. With the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events, head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Paydirt is presented by betonline.ag where the game starts. Also, we invite you to head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com and search Pater for our two t-shirts. One is the official show logo over the heart. It comes in white, navy blue, and black. And the other is a navy blue t-shirt. It has the Pater word mark over the heart and on the back, circa the 2012 Penn State football season. It has Matt McGloin's name and number. Frankly, it's the perfect Valentine's Day gift. <laughs> Again, head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com and search Pater for our two t-shirts. A Matt McGloin t-shirt for Valentine's Day. I mean, how else do you say I love you to somebody? I mean, sounds that, 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 that That's wonderful. You know what's funny, Tom, is that our oldest was born on Valentine's Day. So, oh, our, our, that's special. Yeah, our oldest will be four uh, this Valentine's Day, but my, my wife and I have agreed that we don't have to celebrate Valentine's Day now. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Your, uh, your oldest did you a favor. That's awesome. Yep. Um, thank you all so much for joining us. This is a jam-packed episode of Pater. Uh, still to come, our guest is former Penn State quarterback Wally Richardson. Nowadays, he's the director of the Penn State Football Letterman's Club, so we are so excited to talk to Wally a little bit later on. But before we get to Wally, we want to talk about some serious headlines that have developed over the last week in uh, regards to the Penn State football program. Matt, let's start with a new hire on the coaching staff. Uh, we covered it on our last episode is that Taylor Stubblefield, the former wide receiver coach for Penn State, uh, was fired by the program. Not a mutual separation, but was fired. Uh, he has a replacement now. It is Marcus Hagens, who has been the longtime wide receivers coach at the University of Virginia, spent about a dozen years there as a quarterback at the University of Virginia, uh, was drafted in the NFL, spent a number of years as a quarterback, transitioned to a couple different positions, but he's been consistent at the University of Virginia. What did you think about this hire when you got to dive into it? it, it, it so, this, so this is a tough spot to be in now, Tom, as a position coach with this program, this wide receiver spot, because it's one of those things where you've had a guy work with your program, for a few years now, he's been a part of helping try to develop some of these underclassmen who now need to step up and become the guy or the guys in this wide receiver's room moving forward here. You're also bringing guys in. So to make this change 
right? I mean, he's not only going to need to teach and develop, but these guys that they're bringing in, he's got to be able to help them understand the offense and, and help them know what their expectations are and what Penn State currently has at the wide receiver spot. I mean, you have to think, Tom, there's, there's going to be competition everywhere. It's going to be open competition everywhere. So he's got to be able to teach kids how to develop. He's going to be able to teach these guys that have played a lot of college football, that have a lot of experience, be able to teach them the playbook. And, oh, yeah, we have a brand-new quarterback here. So while doing all that, understand that there's going to be a learning curve for you. There's going to be a learning curve for this quarterback here. So, I mean, teach these kids how to be patient. Um, but th there's no, like, th there's no excuses, really. Tom, I guess what you can say, like he's expected to now come in and to deliver immediately. You got rid of your last wide receivers coach because, you know, for whatever reason that may be, we're never going to know why James Franklin decided to head into a different direction. Um, but now for you to say you're gone, we want this guy here. It's expected now for one, two, three guys to be able to step up, take charge and become the next group of Penn State wide receivers moving forward. The the word on Hagen's reading up on him in a variety of news outlets is that uh, he's got a good recruiting background. Obviously, mm -hmm. he, you're, you're based in Virginia. Um, there's a very, very good recruiting bet. And at the same time, it sounds like he's had a fabulous rapport with his players well beyond their time at the University of Virginia. Now, a lot of people, you know, myself included, when I first saw this, it was like, well, I can't necessarily say I thought of a lot of UVA wide receivers that are really – lit it up one particular year or been in the running for the Blitnikoff or even gotten drafted. There's not a lot of them. But if you read up on what he's been able to do, granted, it's not the same talent pool that Penn State is able to draw from at UVA. Virginia, while in the ACC, is not exactly a powerhouse. So it's trying to make the most out of the least. And I don't mean to put that in a negative way for anybody at the University of Virginia. It's just the, the truth of the matter. Um, they've had some guys at quarterback that have had ability but those guys have been dual threat guys necessarily so it, it sounds like his reputation is that he's got a good rapport with his coach uh, with his players and also that he's got possibly better recruiting ability mm -hmm. than taylor stubblefield did it sounds like as more and more information is slowly leaking out is that stubblefield maybe wasn't great in that department do you necessarily think this is a staff that needs him to come on and be a big recruiter? Because if you can't sell with James Franklin, Mike Yurcich, and oh, by the way, your quarterbacks, Drew Aller and Singleton and Allen and all these bells and whistles, you know, how are you going to land anybody? Well, I think you're asking the wrong guy that question, Tom, because for me, <laughs> I like, I've always said this. I think Penn State sells itself in a way. Right. It takes the right type of student athlete to, to want to go to school there, to want to be able to play there. But look, obviously, James Franklin and his staff do a tremendous job in recruiting. And like we, we all know, you know, for for James Franklin and and what he's able to bring every day to the program. Right. That 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 the ability to recruit, the ability to understand how to run an organization, how to be a CEO. So, I mean, with this hire, Tom, you know, it, it's not something that I don't think. You know, James is thinking we're taking a chance with this hire. This, 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 this has to be a hire where it's like, no, this guy is perfect for what we need and for what we need to do moving forward. So again, that's why I start off by saying there's no excuse because now you know what the expectations are as a new position coach here, as a new coordinator, um, and, and you know, uh, you know, whatever your role or your title may be with this Penn State program. 
one thing that's encouraging is that Hagen's has a longtime relationship with current safeties coach mm -hmm. for Penn State, Anthony Poindexter, from their time at UVA. Uh, it sounds like those two are very close, kind of a uh, you know mentor-mentee type of role. So if anything, that comfort is there. And it seems like you know James Franklin over the past couple of years, obviously grabbing Poindexter and now grabbing Hagen's has respect for what the University of Virginia has been able to do in terms of on the field, off the field, coaching staff, et cetera. So you hope that's a good fit, and time will tell with Marcus Hagen's. So I, I want to dive into what the receiving core is actually going to look like in 2023, because now that the initial transfer portal window has closed, granted, if your name is in the transfer portal, you can still land somewhere. It's just a matter of you have to be able to get your name in in time. So that window just closed on the 18th. It'll open up again in May for anybody that's deciding, hey, I, I do want out at this point. So Penn State, who knows, could still make some selections here in the next few months. We'll keep an eye on it. But now here's your wide receiver core. Your incumbent number one, I think, is Keandre Lambert-Smith. You have, as transfers coming in, former Kent State wide receiver Dante Cephas, who I talked about on the last episode. You also now have former Florida State wide receiver Malik McLean, who's 6'4", 200 pounds, limited in terms of on-field experience. He had career highs last year with 17 catches, 206 yards, and three touchdowns. So, And that was a good Florida State team uh, with uh, uh, Travis at quarterback. They look like they're on their way to something special. Then the rest of it, okay, you're looking at Harrison Wallace, Trey Wallace, possibly in that mix as well. You're thinking about Amari Evans, Saunders, Ivy, Driver. You hit the nail on the head with the word competition. Is it an open competition for the number one spot even? Because I say Lambert Smith is just kind of an assumption, but who knows? No, it should be an open competition, right? And, and that's the way it needs to be approached starting now. With, with conditioning, with lifting, with film work, whatever it may be, everybody in that room needs to be under the impression that this is an open competition. One, two, three, four, five, whatever it may be, it's all open. Uh, we don't care if you've been here before, if you've played before. Um, we don't care if you're brand new, right? Who's ever going to do the best job? Who's ever going to take charge um, and step up and want to be a leader and want to be number one? Well, we're going to build around them. We're going to put routes in for them. We're going to put concepts in for them. Um, that's that's what that needs to be. And I think you use a guy like Mitchell Tinsley as a perfect example of that now this year as well. We said we had a guy like Parker Washington. We used our tight ends. But if your guy transferring in, look what Mitch, Mitchell Tinsley was able to do for us here. Made an impact game in and game out. Um, complimented Parker Washington really well. Now we're able to continue to do something like that moving forward here. So, yeah, Tom, it has to be competition. Everybody needs to know that, um, you know, as they approach spring ball. McLean, especially, I mentioned his size. It's a rarity under James Franklin that you see a big wide receiver. Now, currently on the roster, not overlooking Malik Mega. However, Malik Mega is not exactly jumped up and taken, you know, the one, two or three spot. Were some of these transfers to you, uh, you know, a signal to everybody else in that wide receiver room of like, hey, wake up? Well, it should be. And it's one of those things, too, Tom, where if you're sitting in that room and you're a wide receiver, you're thinking, you know, a part of you is probably thinking, what are we doing? Do they not trust me at the wide receiver spot? Do they not believe in me at the wide receiver spot? But the other party has got to be thinking, well, here we go. You know, I either want it or you don't. Because they're going to continue to bring talent in. They're going to continue to bring competition in. And you're either going to fight and you're either going to deliver every single day. Um, you're either going to be consistent every single day. You're either going to get better every day. Or you're going to get passed by. 
right? That's what we were saying. It has to be an open competition. Somebody has to step up and say, I want this. I want to be the guy here in 2023 at the wide receiver position moving forward. I want to be this next guy at Penn State. I want to be the next KJ Hamler, the next Jahan Dotson, the next Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley. I want to be that next guy in line here in the James Franklin era to step up and make plays for this program moving forward. You and I have talked about it. The the possibilities in 2023 are fantastic for mm -hmm. Penn State. And I've gone as far as saying they should be in contention for the college football playoff. That That's the ceiling at least on this team in my opinion and that's that's great but if you're the coaching staff how do you approach this in that it's like you've got drew aller who is yeah. this big arm quarterback who looks like he can sling it all over the field the only other competition for these wide receivers in terms of catching passes are the two backs singleton and allen who got limited opportunities catching the ball but you could probably see them getting more if the receivers don't step up you know what you have in theo johnson and tyler warren and hope to see them make strides is the message from like Franklin Yurisich and now Marcus Hagan. So these wide receivers is that these are your opportunities either to grasp or not grasp the choice is yours because we've got all the tools to do this. It's there, right? It's there for the taking. If you're one of these wide receivers, like you could, like if you're a competitor and you're hungry and you want to do great things, like th this is the perfect situation for you because there's, there's nothing is set in stone, Tom. Right. No, like we talked about it all last year, who that next guy will be, who that next guy will be. I don't think it, I mean, there were flashes at times of guys playing well, guys making good plays, guys scoring. But the, you can't look back and say he's the next guy or he's the next guy. That's why they've brought two guys in. Right. They're creating competition. They're saying this is open. Who's going to step up? Who's going to deliver? Which, again, is why we're saying if you're Hagen's like. You know, you you got to you got to deliver. You got to step up, and that don't forget. That's the same thing with Mike Yersich as well. We've seen flashes, we've seen brilliance at times from a guy like Drew Aller, but you got to step up and deliver too, right? The the pieces are there, Tom. It's just about putting it all together. And especially in terms of competition, there is a proverbial open spot. Jaden Dotton has entered his name into the transfer portal. Whether or not he departs entirely, we'll have to keep an eye on that. So it, it just seems like this is wide open. And it and it feels like a good thing, Matt, because if Hagen's truly has a reputation as a developer, that's something you especially have gone after this coaching staff a number of times, is that when are you going to develop guys? And the good thing, I think, especially for Cephas, and McLean. McLean has a lot more years of eligibility. He's played two years at Florida State. Um, I believe Dante Cephas is a redshirt junior. Uh, forgive me with the COVID year that's tacked on. Guys can play 17 more years. Who knows? <laughs> but you've got time. It's not like the one-year rental with Mitchell Tinsley. And then these young guys, provided they don't get antsy and decide to go into the transfer portal themselves, you've got time. This doesn't seem like a Marcus Hagan's like, gun to your head, you've got to get this done in one year. He should have a chance to really develop these guys. So. Well, I think too, Tom, real quick, it's one of those things where you're bringing in guys that have played, guys that have experience, like you're, you're able to buy a little bit of time with your underclassmen as well, right? These are guys that play, they know what to expect in an off season, they know what to expect in spring ball and summer and training camp, and they know what to expect in a long season where we're asking them to do a lot week in a week and game in and game out. So if I can bring these guys up to speed, you know, help them understand the playbook, know what's expected from them, I can continue to develop these guys 
that are younger than them that have a lot of time left to play while also giving them reps and and having them contribute as well week in and week out but right that word contribute is what they have to do and you have to contribute consistently to show us that you are developing these guys and that they know what they're doing game in and game in week in and week out whatever it may be because we haven't seen that but we haven't we haven't seen it this past year yeah a lot of opportunity. I'm hoping for a competition just like you. So we'll keep an eye on the wide receiver room. Hopefully this uh, is a positive trend for the offense going into 2023. So uh, a lot to be excited about for Penn State. But uh, right now we want to get to our guest, former Penn State quarterback Wally Richardson, joining us here on Pater. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, head over to Smack Apparel and check out what their team is geared up for this football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel makes the gear that'll have everyone asking where you got it. They have the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro football, baseball, basketball every fan is covered head over to their website smackapparel.com and use the promo code paydirt at checkout for 10 percent off again that's smackapparel.com promo code paydirt at checkout why wear boring when you can wear smack are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code paydirt 15 Paydirt15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. On this edition of Pater, joining me, of course, is Matt McGloin, and we're also joined by another former Penn State quarterback, Mr. Wally Richardson, joining us. Nowadays, he's the director of the Penn State Football Letterman's Club, so I imagine you're staying pretty busy, even though the season has ended, Wally. So uh, how was this past season for you, obviously, watching the team, all the success that they had, but then from, uh, from a business standpoint, how busy were you? How insane was it on your end? Uh, it's, it's always something uh, going on around the Penn State football program and, and people interested in coming to check the team out on Beaver State at Beaver Stadium on Saturday afternoons. But uh, overall, it was a very successful year. I'm very pleased with how the team responded to uh, different things that happened throughout the course of the season. And I just think back to my time, how much more difficult it is now to be a football coach and manage a roster with everything that's going on in the college football landscape at the current time. So this, uh, I think our guys did a great job this past season. And I think everybody's pretty excited about what the future holds. When you look at the landscape, you know, you talked about just being a coach, managing the transfer portal, recruiting, game planning, like there's so many layers to it, but especially as a player, uh, you know, you were playing in the mid nineties and now fast forward and there's NIL and there's guys on the team who are getting Tesla's handed to them. <laughs> it's a, it's a completely different world. How do you process that? Well, I, I think, uh, when, when you're going through something, being a college football student athlete, when I was there playing in the mid nineties, 
we had some things that were a little bit better than the guys that played in the 60s and the 70s and 80s. So you always expect there to be a little bit more uh, advantageous opportunity the the more you get along in something. So I'm, I'm happy to see that guys were able to uh, market themselves. I, I think that's been long overdue. And, you know, but it also adds to the – functions of being a college football student athlete because you not only have to perform well on the field, you have to get it done in the classroom and make sure that you're fulfilling your responsibilities on that end. And and then that's another layer with the NIL, uh, you being able to secure different deals for your name, image, and likeness. Matt, you obviously grew up a fan of Penn State football. Um, what are some of your memories of when Wally was a player? And then <laughs> what were some of your first interactions like with Wally when you actually got to campus? No, well, look, uh, gosh, I was born in 89, Wally. So, you know, back when you were quarterback and in 95 and 96, I was how, so six, seven years, right. years old. Right, right, right. You know, but, but obviously having the opportunity to grow up Gosh, two hours away, you know, from State College. You know, you certainly always remember the quarterbacks that 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 have gone through that school, you know, in the 90s, early 2000s, you know. And I, I don't think you ever, you know, Tom and Wally, I don't think you ever think to yourself, like, you know, that'll be me one day having the chance to be able to, you know, uh, wear, wear the white the white helmet with the blue stripe down the middle of it. You certainly have aspirations and dreams, you know, to be to be a Division One athlete and play sports, but you know, it's just it's it's still crazy for me to think that you know I I'm I'm fortunate and blessed to be in that category as somebody who who has been a Penn State quarterback and has run out of that tunnel as a star as a starting quarterback and had the chance to play in Beaver Stadium each and every Saturday afternoon. And you know, I think Wally, I think you know we we got along since you know the first time I, I had the chance to to meet you and you know you've been kind enough to to play in um my charity golf tournament that I have every year but and I think you know Wally and I think you know for me it's like it, it doesn't matter and we had this conversation with Goon Tom you know I, I don't think it matters whether you were a 70s 80s 90s 2000s player you all have that connection at Penn State um and it's all because we, we went through the same exact program with Joe Paterno, Wally. Uh, so, so I mean, you know, one of the things that I love about the show is having players like you on and and listening to some of your favorite memories, some of your favorite stories. Now that you know you're older and you have the chance to look back on uh, on your career in the mid '90s at Penn State. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely special. I think when you go through the program. Uh, there's a certain magnitude that comes with that, a lot of responsibility. I think the guys that played before us, you feel a, a certain uh, reverence to them because you know that the things that you're going through at the time when you're playing that other people have done there, it's going to be people that come after you. So you want to do your part to make sure you uphold the strong tradition and uh, respect of being a Penn State football player. So I think that's something that's always in the back of your mind. And you realize a lot of the guys, even though you might not have seen some guys play, you recognize 
guys by their name and what they did while they were at Penn State and if they go on to do some other things football-wise after leaving Penn State. But I think it's a, it's a great honor to be able to play college football, especially at a place like Penn State. You know, we mentioned the mid, the mid '90s, Wally, and obviously, you know, specifically for you, '95 and '96, you helped lead Penn State to a 20 and five record, two bowl victories over Auburn and and over Texas. There, you know, and and to finish the way you did in your career, it, it's kind of similar, you know, to to a guy like Sean Clifford, the way he was able to finish his career on a high note. You know, how, how important was that for you? You know, knowing that. This is my last year, my last season. Have to finish strong. Have to go out on a high note. What did that feel like? Yeah, I think that's important. Uh, you you think about the amount of hours that you put in on the practice field, watching film, working out, training, all of those things, and and you want to leave a good taste in your mouth. And and I think it's important to try to make sure that you do everything in your power. Uh, you can do everything that you possibly can. Sometimes it doesn't turn out the way you envisioned it turning out or the way you would like for it to turn out. So with that being said, you want to do everything that you can to put yourself in a position to be successful when you go out there on Saturday and, and play against your opponent. You spend a lot of time prepping during the week, making sure you understand the game plan, what you want to get, the goals you want to accomplish in the game. And, if you do that more successfully than your opponent more of the time during the game on that day, then you generally come out on top. And I, I think that's very important. And I think having that type of positive attitude and making sure you put in the work when, when, when it's time to work and when you able, when you're able to get away from the game, you can reflect on that and feel good about what you did to put yourself in a position to obtain some type of success. And, and I think that's great. I, I was super excited for Sean uh, with that, you know, being in a New Year's Six Bowl game and having that type of ending to his career, I think is, you know, 10, 15 years down the road for him will be very satisfying. Wally, what's going through his mind right now? Like, you know, is, you know, and even, you know, I, I think, you know, myself, you and Sean Clifford, you know, at this point in time where you finish playing, it's kind of what's next. You know, I know you you were fortunate enough to be drafted in the seventh round. I mean, I knew if I were to get drafted at all, it would have been in the seventh round. But you're just you're looking for an opportunity, right? That that's all you want is to get your foot in the door. So you know, I mean, I mean that's what my my mindset was after I finished my last year at Penn State. What was your mindset like? after you finished and, and figuring out what was next for you? And, and what do you think Sean's going through right now? Well, I think uh, it's, it's one time in your life uh, that you get an opportunity to, to pursue a professional football career. So I, I know that's something he's concentrating on. I, I would assume he would be working towards that. And uh, what you have to realize is, there's 32 NFL teams, so you can't play for all 32 teams. You just have to get one team yeah. to really like you. Yeah. And uh, that's what, and, and be in the right place at the right time. As, as long as you get an opportunity, that's the most important thing. And uh, once you there, your, your performance and, and the things that you are able to do, you can show how you can help 
a team win football games. And I think, you know, that's that's part of being a professional. Like Sean doesn't have to worry about any classes anymore. So he can devote all his time to being the best football player that he can be. So I, I think you do everything you can leading up to all of the events around uh, post-college post football games, combines, workouts, all of that stuff. And and then you see what happens uh, through draft weekend and however, whatever happens there, you adjust and, and go from there. Wally, you might be the perfect person to discuss with Sean Clifford the options within pro football because your experiences went beyond the NFL. You obviously were drafted and played for the Baltimore Ravens. You also played in the Arena Football League for the Los Angeles Avengers. You also played in the XFL for the New York, New Jersey Hitmen, and McGloin knows what the XFL was all about in a different era. Now there's so many different opportunities for pro football. The XFL is back as of this spring. The USFL appears to be finding its footing. I'm a big proponent of the Canadian Football League, where one of a former Penn State quarterback and guest of the show, Tommy Stevens, is working right now for the Calgary Stampeders. So there just appear to be so many more options. Have you counseled them at all in terms of what life in pro football is like? I have not, but, you know, Sean knows that I, I'm in his corner. Whatever he decides to do, I, I think he's going to be successful at it. But with that being said, there's a lot more opportunities now to play professional football than it was 25, 30 years ago. And that allows guys to, if they that's something that they want to continue doing, that they, they have opportunities to do that and, and make a – decent living um and, and and it's really only one time uh tom brady is an outlier with but he he's also not a, a a linebacker taking on iso blocks either you know he's got 10 other people doing their best to get open for him and protect him so he can deliver the football uh so that's Another outlier, he, he's a quarterback as opposed to being a defensive tackle. Like a defensive tackle isn't going to play 20 years in the NFL or another professional league. It just he can't do it. But I think that it's great that there are so many opportunities for guys now to continue playing their football career while they feel like they can still do it. And we'll see if Sean is going to get that opportunity in the NFL. I, I do believe he could get an opportunity in some level of pro football. It's just a matter of where. Right. Uh, and Wally, uh, you know, everybody is looking forward to 2023 with Drew Aller, uh, the heir apparent to become the starting quarterback next season. Obviously, highly touted five-star recruit. Um, from what you've seen out of Drew Aller, what do you think? Have you gotten to interact with him? What do you think of him as a young man? Uh, I don't know Drew very well. I have met him. Uh and he, he's a pleasant guy. I, I think the expectations, <laughs> him coming in, were extremely high. And I think when he got in there this past season, he did some good things. Uh, so I, I'm excited about him getting out there and, and being able to play full-time and see what he can do. But I, I think he, he did a nice job uh, when he had his opportunities this past fall. So I'm excited about what he'll be able to help us accomplish moving forward. Well, you know what it's like in terms of having expectations put upon you. You followed Kerry Collins, arguably the best quarterback in the history of Penn State football. 
What were your experiences like taking the helm of the Penn State offense? Well, I, I was around, so and I play. I played as a freshman, so the opportunity wasn't too big for me. I worked hard uh, when I got my opportunities, and I, I felt like I was going to be capable to get the job done. Like uh, we we were very successful uh, during my time here. The the worst season we had was my freshman year. We went seven and five. And then from there on, uh, 93 was our first year competing in the Big Ten. We went 10 and 2, 12 and 0, 9 and 3, and 11 and 2. So we, we had a pretty good run. And, you know, I, I felt good about my chance of being successful coming here. I wouldn't have came here if I didn't think I was capable of competing at this level. So uh, you do everything that you can to get yourself prepared. And when you, get your opportunities, you make the most of But well, Wally, what's the difference you think between somebody, you know, like an Alar who, you know, had, had, you know, played early, right, in the season even, but played early in his career, and now you make the transition here as a second-year guy where it's like, all right, it is now your show, right? You know, is, you know, do you think that approach where it's like, all right, go play now, be the guy and learn as you go, or take your time, develop, right? Develop mentally, develop physically, understand the game, and then you're more than prepared to play. I, I think the uh, the paradigm has shifted quite a bit because when I was in school, freshmen didn't play as much as they do now. If you are a highly rated recruit, you come in your freshman year, a lot of guys are graduating from high school early, getting on campus for the spring semester so they can go through spring ball and get those 15 practices under their belt along with training during the summer and then going to training camp in the fall and hitting it full speed. So that whole deal has changed. When I was in school, we didn't show up until right before preseason. The, the mid-year wasn't <laughs> as – I don't think it was around when I started. So that in itself is different. And I think there's a lot more uh, where guys are traveling earlier, competing against different teams uh, in these seven on seven camps that, that yeah. are held throughout the country during the summer. So it's, it's just different. And these guys, uh, especially quarterbacks are seeing coverages, from an earlier age and throwing the ball around, uh, you know, so it's it's just a lot different. It, it's it's a di it's a different game. It really is a different game. You know, it, one of the things that I look at a lot, Wally, with that, like younger guys are playing right, certainly talented, a lot of potential, a lot of athletic ability, but there's so much to me. Like it's obviously depending on the position and the situation. There's so much more than just that. Right, right. It's the leadership capabilities. It's it's understanding how to be able to do it every single day. How long did that take for somebody like yourself to get comfortable with in the position that you were in as a quarterback? Where you know to be successful as a quarterback, I mean, a lot of times you you just need to have you need to be a natural leader. Yeah, I think uh, it's something that you learn. As you go, uh, some people lead more by their actions than than what they say. So 
you got to figure out what type of leader you are. But I think the quarterback is an important leader on a team and you want to make sure that your team is resilient. I think as a quarterback, you have to be resilient. You have to know what you're doing. Uh, you know, if, if they've got an extra, somebody's coming free and you got a hot route, you need to get the ball to the hot guy. So you protect yourself first and foremost, but also you can experience some success if you get it to the right people, because you know where the weakness is in the defense with the blitz coming. So I think it's, Things like that um, that quarterbacks have to know. <laughs> it's important mm -hmm. because uh, the court, the success of the quarterback helps to keep the team in a position to be successful. So I think that's son. He he's a young kid, but this he's been in school now almost a complete year uh, along with him both. Prismula. So I, I mean, those, but those guys have been around. This will be their second uh, spring practice. So I think they'll feel more comfortable because when you get here as a mid-year enrollee, you're figuring you're taking college level courses for the first time, a full-time load, having to get up in the morning and work out, you know, make sure you're eating correctly go to class, do your studies and practice. And then you go to bed and start it all over again the next day. So I think they'll feel a little bit more comfortable now that they've been through it before and they've come out the other side. So I think that'll help as they move forward also. What are the, exp again, with a guy like Aller now taking over as, as the guy here, but with what they have around him offensively, and defensively, Wally, and from things you've seen from the program this past year, obviously the Rose Bowl win, and, and in years prior, you know what what are the expectations for Penn State this year? Well, I, I think the expectations are pretty high for Penn State. I think um, you know there's a lot of returning talent on the football team. Uh, a lot of guys were able to get some impactful playing time this past season. So uh, you, your hope is that them being able to experience some, some big time environments this past season will help spur them to the next level and, and have a chance at, you know, winning the big 10 conference, getting into the playoff possibly and, and seeing what's, what happens there. We have a couple of breaks go our way. We stay relatively healthy and, and people fill in like they are capable of doing, I, I think, you know, we can write our own ticket. And it's it's easier to do that when you control your own destiny. Uh, and, and I think that's that would be something that I would like to see us do, us control our own destiny. And there's a chance to do that going into 2023. There's going to be the question of, you know, Jim Harbaugh is back. What's Michigan going to be like? C.J. Stroud is off to the NFL. Does Ohio State just reload at quarterback? So there could be the opportunity for Penn State to knock off one or, or both of them. So 2023 is going to be exciting. Uh, in regards to your role now, you know, and moving on from your playing days, you're the director of Penn State football's Letterman Club. Uh, what does that entail day to day? Because you and I have communicated and I, you, I know you've known McGloin for a while about, you know, trying to wrangle players for interviews. And I imagine you're doing far more than that, trying to get people on campus for, you know, ceremonies and celebrations or reunions, et cetera. How freaking complicated is this job? 
Uh, it, it's just, uh, it, it's a lot of uh, trying to fit pieces into different puzzles, but I enjoy it. Uh, I get to interact with a lot of former players and I, I enjoy that. So uh, it, it can be, it's, it's task oriented. Like right now I'm trying to do some planning uh, for the fall as, as we get look forward to the 2023 season. Um, we have guys on campus up here pretty much every football weekend. There's guys that I went to school with that have kids that are in college now. So they're up here. Uh, you, you've got guys that are in different stages of their lives. Some, some guys have kids that are college age, and then you got other guys that are just starting families and have small kids that they're trying to get the soccer tournaments on Saturday. So it's all kind of things that go on, but we try to uh, make sure that we keep everybody engaged and, and do things throughout the course of the year where guys can come up here and visit with some of their former teammates and, and uh, just relax and, and have a good time. So uh, it's always, it's like a moving target, but I think we do a pretty decent job of making sure we try to meet the needs of, everybody depending on what what they've got going on with their lives it's got to be extensive and penn state's just got a who's who of former players it's just you know ones who've had immense nfl success others who've just been stars at penn state so i can only imagine what it's like wrangling all those people Uh, is there a particular moment for you or you know event or situation that you can point to as you know, director of the Letterman's Club that you're particularly proud of that you were able to organize? Well, uh, I, I think it's just the challenge of trying to make sure we've got everything lined up and organized. I, I think that's the key to us being successful and, and making sure that folks enjoy their time on campus, especially around some events that we organize, whether it's a tailgate for a team that comes back and uh, prior to the game, and and we've got some of them over at LeBrono Park and providing a space where they can all just communicate and shoot the breeze with one another and their families, or you know, just making sure we've got things organized around uh, our Letterman's Lounge here in the stadium where guys are able to come and visit with one another prior to the game. So it's making sure that everything that we don't run into issues with stuff that's an inspected standard. I think that's what I try to make sure we don't have any hiccups or, or goof offs. And, and if they do happen that we're able to address it at the time and try to make sure we get back on the right track. Sure. You run a tight ship. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> One I thing. Uh, go ahead. I have to. I have to. <laughs> Yes. One thing, uh, one thing McGloin and I always really love about Penn State, and I've kind of joked with him uh, this past season, Christian Veyer was wearing his number 11. Uh, obviously, uh, Matt wore number 11 when he was quarterback. And, you know, there's a great lineage with that number. LeVar Arrington, Micah Parsons, and now Abdul Carter's wearing it. The number 14 is a really different story when you look back on it. And just to, and it's and it's tied to quarterbacks a lot, Wally. You look at Todd Blackledge, yourself, 
uh, Anthony Morelli, Christian Hackenberg, Sean Clifford. It's this fascinating tale, and I'm sure I'm leaving plenty of others out, but those are some of the few that jump to mind. Um, you know, do you ever feel like, oh, I'm tied to these guys because of that? Like that's something that's common at Penn State. You feel like fans maybe pay attention to it more than anything. But the number 14, a quarterback at Penn State, it can be a head scratcher at times. Well, my, my history with 14 didn't start at Penn State. I uh, was 14 years old when I played varsity football. And uh, the guy that wore 14 at my high school before me was a guy that I looked up to. I actually played with his younger brother. So that's that's where the 14 came from me. I grew up in South Carolina, uh, and I, I knew who Penn State was, but I didn't expect for my journey to bring me here coming out of high school. That's the way things worked out. And it was a great decision for me, but you know, I, I wasn't thinking of I'm wearing 14 because this is what Todd Blackledge wore it. That didn't register with me. I was like, that's what I wore in high school. So I wanted to keep the number, but yeah, it's, it's interesting, but it, that, that has happened a lot in Penn state football history where numbers get recycled. I think it's more, I think it's more apparent just because we don't wear names on the back of our jerseys. People get tied to numbers, especially more here. Matt, I don't think I've ever asked you, and maybe you've answered this on other, you know, in other outlets, where did the number 11, you know, uh, (laughs) did you pick that at a young age or did you get that at Penn state? I never asked you the story. Tom, I was a preferred walk and I'm lucky I got a number. Uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure they were just going to give me like a question mark on my on my jersey when I first got there. But uh, but no, what's funny, because I, I remember this, I think. Um, so when Wally, when you talk about showing up in the summer before your first season there, that's what that's that's what we did. I think we showed up maybe in June. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you got ready for summer conditioning right in a training camp there. Right. And I'm trying to remember correctly. Um, you know, I wasn't assigned a jersey number, anything like that. And then the first like shirt I got, I think was for Lift for Life. And it had number 13 on it. Mm-hmm. So I remember telling my parents, like, oh yeah, I got you know, they gave me number 13, they gave me number 13. And then sure enough, like fast forward to training camp and now I'm number 11. So <laughs> I don't know where 13, right. I don't know where 13 to uh, 11 went, but like I said, man, I was just in that spot early on there where I was just, listen, give me whatever number. I, I just, I, I'm just looking for an opportunity. I'm just looking for reps. I'm just looking to play football, man. And uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I, you know, and I didn't think like, you know, they're giving me this number for any reason uh, at all. Just, you know, they probably like, what do we have left over for this kid? Just right. Like, yeah. Spider <laughs> was just like, here, here's what you're getting. Uh, and it's funny. Na- and Wally, here's the thing that always like throws me off is that like, there's over a hundred kids on the roster and you have like two number ones. You got one that can only play offense and one that can only play defense. And it's just, it's confusing to us as fans. I can only imagine what it's like for, you know, working internally with the team. It's kind of, and, and again, you hit the nail on the head. We're one of the few schools that doesn't put names on the back. So it's kind of like, all right, well, we'll try and keep track of all these kids right well, yeah well, it's challenging for sure <laughs> well yeah well what they do i'm well i'm uh i'm assuming they did this when you were there too tom so in your gear your jerseys your shorts your shirts everything your spikes they write your locker number right in your gear so because you're right there there are you know two number 10s two number 20s two right. number 30s stuff like that yeah 
we got to get spider back on the podcast because we could talk to him for hours but wally wally uh well that was actually a question i wanted to ask tom so i'm glad you brought it up wally you you have yeah, the incredible opportunity to have your office directly next to spiders. Right? Mm-hmm. And what I and what I think is the greatest office in all of college football. I mean, do you ever just walk in there? Like, as every time I'm at Penn State, I try to 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 make my way over to Beaver Stadium to see Spider and to to see that office. Do you ever just walk in there and think, like, you know, uh, the history? It's a museum in, in that small. Yeah, office. yeah. It's, it's it's power packed with history and and. Most, I think most of the items that Spider has in his office has, he's got a story about it or, you know, this is what happened around surrounding this piece of material or shoe, <laughs> whatever it, it may be. He's got some of everything in there, but uh, yeah, it really is a amazing place. Uh, last question from, from, from me here, Wally, and then I'll pass you back to Tom. You uh, talked about XFL earlier. Hey, Fabe was still a thing. And that XFL league, wasn't it when you were playing? What's that? Say that again, Matt. K- uh, kayfabe, Tom. Like you, you know, Tom's obviously familiar with kayfabe and wrestling. Like the the whole entertainment. WWE, yeah, it was a show. Yeah. So, and yeah, it was a show. That was this crazy. is the XFL. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that was made very clear when we first started in training camp. This was it was going to be a lot of different. The, the crazier stuff was, the better they liked it. You know, but, you know, uh, it, it it was good. It was good. I, I enjoyed it. I was glad to see it come back. Um, it's just, it, it's hard. Startup leagues are hard. Yeah. And you, and you see that uh, it, it takes up, a, you gotta, you have to invest a lot of resources on the front end to try to get it to catch on. And, and then sustaining it is the the big, the big challenge. I think, I think they'll play that Jeff Brom interview forever. Forever. Oh, my God. The he hate me jersey is timeless. And and a lot of the things that the XFL, when it when it was around its first go around, yeah. those elements within television production and even the execution of the game itself has Absolutely. lasted. It's been amazing. Oh, Wally. yeah. Oh, yeah. I can you, only you imagine. The, the in, in-game uh, locker room interviews prior to the game that that's been taken to another level the last couple of years, but the, uh, camera going to top the field, then XFL first started that thing. So, I mean, there's a lot of innovations they did that you see have stood the test of time, uh, in production since then. I had the original football. Like, really? Uh, well, that that black, the black, the black and red, yeah. and red. I had that. I had that football. I remember playing in the backyard with with that football. Cra- crazy, like crazy yeah. how it went from that to me and actually playing in right. that right in that league. It's funny, yeah, yeah. Small yeah. world. Both of you guys getting that opportunity. Wally, thank you so much for joining us here on Pater. We really appreciate it. Best of luck with everything you've got going on here in the off season, getting ready for twenty twenty three. I know there's a lot to look forward to at Penn State. Thanks, Tom. Matt, you take care. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at QB 11 and at Tom Hannafin. Paydirt is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Paydirt. 
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.